Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. From him, come on, on Calvary's cross, he defeated principalities and disarmed them and made a show out of them openly. I'm trying to preach to you a great big God, a wee little defeated devil and a dead old man. It seems to me like the more I preach that, the madder people get. But I came to tell you, you're not in Adam, you're in Christ. You don't got one foot in Adam and the other foot in Christ. That's a double-minded man that's unstable in all of his ways. You're in Christ. You may still have some maturing to do. You may still have some developing to do. You may still have to grow up, but you're in Christ. The moment you got born again, you got translated out of the kingdom of darkness and right then into the kingdom of His dear Son. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when Jesus begins to talk to this woman, he said, Ought not this woman who is a daughter of Abraham. In other words, he brings her back to her identity and her covenant right as a child of Abraham and begins to build her up to the point where faith begins to come. And says, Woman, you are loosed from this infirmity on the Sabbath day. Say it another way. Because of the finished work of Jesus, you've entered into a rest of God where you're not under the bondage of religion. You're not under the bondage of the world. Too much to preach here tonight. What we do is we swing from the bondage of the world to the bondage of religion or from the bondage of religion to the bondage of the world. But who the Son sets free? Hey, is free. Indeed. It was for freedom. Christ made us free. Hallelujah. Let, let, let me just hit this just a little bit, then I'll, I'll finish for tonight and maybe pick up it tomorrow night. The Bible goes on to say in this story that when he, he says to them, Ought not this woman, who is the daughter of Abraham, be loose from this infirmity? And then he begins to speak to them. He says, If a man has an ox or an ass, wouldn't you loose him and lead him away? The watering on the Sabbath. Now, the first thing I want to say is, number one, they're more concerned about animals than they are God's people. But the second thing that really stuck out to me was, I heard the Holy Spirit just whisper in my heart. He said, we need to take them to the water. Yes. He said, take my people to the water. I said, Lord, what are you saying to me? And I sat in a hotel room a while ago in Genesis 1, I believe it was, verse 2. The Lord just begin to drop some scripture. I won't turn to all these because I don't want to be real lengthy tonight. And he says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out form and void and darkness was upon the face of the great deep. Hallelujah. But I like this. But the Spirit of God began to watch this, Brother Allen, begin to move on the face of the water. Come on. Take them to the water. And I said, God, what he said? He said, if you ever looked into the water, you see the reflection of heaven. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. How many know what I'm talking about? You go out to the lake, you'll start seeing the reflection of heaven. So what in the middle, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. In the middle of darkness and void and emptiness, God just put his reflection in the water and said, just bring them to the water. Let them look in the water because what they're going to do is they're going to see my face. 
in the water. A few chapters later, the Bible says that God began to be grieved in his heart. It says that men begin to multiply, watch this, on the face of the earth. So they started to get an earth face. And God told Noah, build a boat. Because if you can't get the water, can't get them to the water, I'll bring the water to them. Oh, I, I. Now, can you imagine a hundred and some years of building a boat and you've, it's never even rained? He's preaching, it's going to rain. And it's never right. They have no point of reference. You've got to understand. See, that's one thing. See, but people will jump on the bandwagon when you preach something brand new. They're like, well, the newest thing. That's, whew, we're, well, we're, you know, we're the, we're the deep church. It's going to rain. But 120 years later, the only people you've got left is your family. Everybody tired of the building program? <laughs> but I love this. The Bible said, and God began to turn the water on, and the water began to come up. And the ark lifted them off of the face of the earth. And they went on the face of the water. Because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And when God turned the water up, and see, see, that to me again speaks, man, can, can I take a little bit longer? I don't know what you're normally used to. Can I have a little bit more time here? Are we good still? Man, I, yeah, but I, I see Jesus as a picture of water baptism. Because what this ark is, the scripture tells us that, that, the, that, that, uh, that the picture of the ark of Noah is a picture of water baptism in one of the gospels. Not one of the gospels, one of the epistles. And I said, Lord, how's that a picture? And the Lord said to me, well, the ark is a picture of Christ. I said, how so, Lord? He said, because it's your vehicle out of an old world dominated by sin and the curse. And it's made from shittim wood because if you're going to get people out of a curse, you're going to have to involve a tree. And he told him, he said, you're going to make an ark because it's going to be, how I many know every ark of the Bible is a picture of Jesus? So my, I know y'all are, are, are Bible students here, so I don't have to de maybe deal with every detail here. But how I many know we got in Christ? And you know what's really interesting too? He said, when he told him to take this ark, he said, and thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. The, the Hebrew word for pitch it there is the Hebrew word kephar. It's the same word we translate atonement. So I got in a boat called Christ. I got sealed in by the blood of Jesus because what makes this boat float is I've been sealed to the day of redemption. Come on, somebody. And inside this ark, come on, there are animals of all sorts. I wish I could get some help. Come on. Touch somebody say, there's animals of all sorts. That's why you're here tonight. Hallelujah. There's three stories in the ark. There's an outer court, a holy place, <laughs> and a most holy place. The dimensions are 30, which is the number that means the blood of Christ, by 50 cubits, which is the number of Pentecost. So you've been blood-bought, come on, and baptized in the Holy Ghost. If that don't get you out of an old world dominated by sin, nothing will. Then it's 300 cubits long, which means divine completeness. That ark takes off in the month of Passover. It lands in the 21st day of the seventh month during the Feast of Tabernacles on a mountain called Ararat. And the word Ararat means the curse has been reversed. I got in a boat called Jesus. I got sealed by the blood. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I got delivered from an old world dominated by sin and by the curse. And I got off in a world, a brand new world, where the curse has been reversed. 
I'm not under any kind of curse. No generational curse. No curse of the law. Not Adam's curse. I've been redeemed from the curse. i got to throw this out yet. Two birds flew out the ark. There's only one door in this ark. His name is Jesus, and there's only one window, and it's above. So if you're going to look out, you've got to look up. You can't be looking at the earth. Am I making sense tonight? And so he, he looked, if you, he, and he let two birds go out. One is an unclean bird. It's a dirty bird. Say dirty bird. The dirty bird flies all the way through the Scriptures, lands in the book of Revelation. Babylon has become the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. But the dove only has to fly to Matthew chapter 3, where Jesus is coming up out the river Jordan, and the dove lands on Jesus. What that said to John the Baptist is, right here's the new world. Here's the olive branch. Here's where the curse has been reversed. And interestingly enough, he's coming up out of the waters of baptism. What are you trying to tell us tonight, Brother Huff? I'm trying to tell you, when you identified with him in your death and your burial through baptism, and you came up out of that, you came up in a new world, and you come up, God lifted you up out of the face of the earth, uh, into the face of the waters. God just turns the water up. And when you come out of it, you're a new creature where the curse has been reversed. <laughs> I got to close somewhere, but I can't help but think about I got two little granddaughters. One of them is Jason's daughter, and she's she'll be seven in July. And the other one, I was thinking about her when you were singing this song, because if I'd have taped this and put it on Facebook, she'd have told her mom, that's my jam, mom. And she'd have been dancing all through the living room on that jam, because she likes that song. But I took them to see The Lion King a number of years ago. And I thought I was, well, that was clear back when my kids were young. But now they're watching the same movies, you know, over and over again. And they know the tunes, everything to them. But the first time I saw this movie, The Lion King, I was in the theater. And uh, I just thought it was taken to see a kiddie movie, you know. And man, this thing come on. And all of a sudden, this little lion is lifted up. And Zimba, I'm, let me think if I can get the names right. Mufasa, that right? Zimba's the little lion. He holds the lion up regardless of who, what his name is. He holds the lion up and he says, Everywhere the light falls is your dominion. You've been born to reign. Touch somebody. Say, you've been born to reign. And so, if you know the story, I'm going to try to cut through this as quick as I can. But he, this young lion goes off with this other young lion and they go over to this elephant graveyard it's a place I call it of big failed ministries it was the who's who in the zoo <laughs> but there's a lot of devils there hyenas and his daddy told him don't go over there but he didn't listen but I like this a little bird goes and tells his daddy your boy's in trouble and if you've seen the movie daddy comes in and saves his son because let me know Hallelujah. Daddy has a weakness for us, and I'll leave that be. Whole nother message. The weakness of God is stronger than men. But the moment he saves his son, and he's always getting him out of trouble. How many of you feel like this? I've been in trouble a lot of times, and Daddy saved you. Come on. How many of you that's part of our growing process? But one of the final times was he's, he's standing, he's in this valley, and these wildebeest, and that'll preach. But these wildebeests are stampeding. In order for his father to save him this time, he has to 
give his life. And if you remember the movie The Lion King, the stampede comes and the young lion is in trouble again. Here comes the father to save him again. And when he goes to save him, this time his father is killed by the stampeding wildebeest and he dies right beside a tree. Now, I'm sitting in the theater not trying to be religious or spiritual with this because I'm, I'm not, when I go to movies, I get stuff out of them, but I'm not trying to be religious. It just speaks to me. Right. And when that lion died beside that tree, that jerk got on me, you know. And I went, hey! And my wife said, honey, you were in a theater. I said, I know I am, babe, but they don't know what they're seeing, but if they'll put that on pause, I'm about to tell them. <laughs> Ah, man, I feel like preaching in here tonight. I, 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 I got to say this. I know, I know I'm, I'm maybe being a little lengthy, but let, let, me, let me say this. Friday night, it's, it's party time anyhow. Hallelujah. The weakness of God is stronger than men, is what Paul said in Corinthians, and the foolishness of God is wiser than men. But there's a lot of ways to look at that. But I started saying the weakness of God, and that caught me a number of years ago. I said the weakness of God. If God has a weakness... I would like to know what it is. And then it says the weakness of God is stronger than men. So that you could preach that like God at his weakest is still stronger than men. Or you could preach it that the weakness that God has is stronger than you've got. And so I thought if God has any kind of weakness, period, I'd like to know what it is. And it didn't take me long to figure it out. Because you don't have to get past the book of Genesis until you see a man who fouls up and ends up kicked out of the garden. But God so loves this man that he has a weakness for him. Come on, somebody. See, I love my kids. I've got, like I said, one of my sons are here, my grandbabies. I'm telling you, they're the joy of my life. I, I, what I do, I, I could care less about another camera, another who's doing this. I could care less about fame. It's more aggravation than it's worth. What floats my boat is when my grandbaby said, that's my jam. I'm going to worship God. That, that, that's what floats my boat. I'm writing books not because I want to get famous. I want to leave a trail of truth for a generation to come. Hallelujah. That, that's what I value, and that's just my heart. But what I begin to see was if I've got such a, a passion, love for my brother Allen, there's nothing in the world make me want to jump out on Interstate 20 out here and cast myself in the front of a speeding truck. But you let one of my kids or my grandkids be out there playing on that line, and I would forget every law of fear and every law of responsibility and cast myself in the line of that speeding truck if I thought I could save my son or save my grandbabies. How many can hear what I'm saying? That's my weakness. But man, I heard the Lord say, the weakness of God is stronger than man. Come on. That God's got, if, you, if you've got a weakness for your kids, He said, I've got an even stronger weakness. He said, so much so that I saw you headed for destruction, and I wrapped myself in human flesh and came down and cast myself in the line of the destruction that belonged to you. I hung on a rugged cross because I love you this much. Come on, somebody, help me preach a little bit. Because the weakness of God is stronger than men. Hallelujah. David got a hold of this in Psalm 8. He said, when I consider the sun, the moon, the stars, and the works of your fingers, and all that what you created, what is man? That your mind is full of him. Torn translation says, what is man that you're possessed with him? What is man that when you made all of this, you had man in the center of your mind? God loves to give you the kingdom. It's how he gets a kick. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's what, hallelujah. That's what floats his boat is blessing you. 
God is more willing to bless you than you are to receive it. And if you're not willing to receive it, it's because you've still got yourself bowed to the earth and you don't think you're worthy. You don't think you're worth it. You think you're just a, come on, a dirt bag. Or you've sinned too much that God can't help you. God wrapped Himself up in human flesh and came and cast Himself in the line. Yeah. I got to... I love it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. i gotta, I got to leave that, the weakness of God alone here. But let me move just a little bit. When that lion died near that tree, the enemy came to him. That one who was like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He came to that lion and he said, it's your fault. You killed your father. It's your fault. They will never receive you back at Pride Rock again. You need to run. You need to get away from it. You need to hide from it. You need to run into the jungle and hang out with meerkats and warthogs and just sing Hakuna Matata. It's a wonderful day and just don't ever engage nothing because, see, I'm going to tell you, people have been put through religious traditions that have beat them down to the point where they don't even realize they were born to reign. They were born to stand up on Pride Rock. And as long as we vacate rulership, as long as we vacate dominion, it will not reign in the earth. But the moment somebody comes back and takes their rightful place as rule, come on, as the sons and daughters of God, it will begin to reign in the earth and what was once a wilderness will become a come on a garden of God the prophet comes to him pastor Allen and he's hanging out with warthogs and meerkats eating slimy but satisfying stuff sound to me like the American diet on religious stuff it's slimy, but it's satisfying. It is a meat market parade of entertainment-based flesh. Now, I'm not against good music, good lights, none of that stuff. But I'm telling you, when that's all we've got when the day is over, and people got their belly full. But see, I'm telling you, we got, we've got, we're so full of religious junk food that it's causing our arteries to harden. You, you say it's causing us heart problems. You didn't hear me. I'm not talking in the natural. I'm talking in the spirit. People's hearts have become calloused and hardened because we fed them Twinkies and potato chips every Sunday morning, and it fills their belly up, and they will bounce off the walls for an hour and a half. But the glow is as bad as the high. But I'm telling you, God is going to bring back a real diet of nothing nothing but lamb. Come on, touch somebody say, eat no lamb. Slap another neighbor say, nothing but mutton. We need a bumper sticker that says, nothing but mutton. Steady diet of Jesus. Where Jesus becomes central. Where we bring them back to the water. See that to me, and when I think about that, that that warthog's name, are we good? That warthog's name was Pumba. They called him Pumba for a good reason. He had a problem. Anybody seen the movie? Yeah. Let me, what's a good way to say this? Isaiah said that we have been with child, and we have, as it were, brought forth wind. That's what Pumba did. He was filled with gas. How to preach? Hallelujah. That's what I was trying to say and trying to be diplomatic. And you say, what is, what is gas? It's doctrines. It's divisive doctrines. Now, I believe doctrine's good in its place. But see, when we sow to the wind, 
We reap a rule. And listen, all we're doing is passing gas. And it stinks to the world. We're hanging out with warthogs and meerkats, kakuna, matata. It's a wonderful day. Don't bother me. Hallelujah. You know, you, you hear what I'm saying? And we've got to a point where uh, we have not put the priority. I'm not trying to be legalistic, but the kingdom has got to be the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and his, not his righteousness. And then all this stuff is added to you. It's automatic. Once you get the priority right and the righteousness right, the third dimension of it will always come and all these things are added. That prophet Rafiki comes up and he says, son, let me take you to the water. Let me take you to the water. And if you remember that, he brings him to the water because his, this, this young lion says, my father told me he'd never leave me. He told me he'd never forsake me. Because that's what they preached to me at my church. The hell never leave you, forsake you. And then come to Jesus and get eternal life. It would last me 15 minutes. That ain't eternal life. Well, hallelujah. In other words, listen, I, I was, listen they, they tell me, you know, your father won't leave you. And if every time I turn around, well, God's walking away from me. I'm either he won't leave you or he will leave you, one or the other. See, what you've got to understand is how it is under which covenant. In the new covenant, there's no variableness, no turning of shadows. God will never turn his back on you. As a matter of fact, he'll sit on the porch while you're wrecking your life and say, Are you done yet? Have you messed up bad enough? See, he's like Forrest Gump. He'll take you back when all you've got is one dying breath. Because stupid is what stupid does. But he'll sit there and say, I love you. I can't stop loving you. But if you had any sense, you wouldn't quit looking for love in all the wrong places. And you just let me love on you with unconditional love. And you'd have the best life on the planet. Hallelujah. And you live a life that's just phenomenal. The lion said to the prophet, my father said he'd never leave me, but he left me. And the lion takes him to, he said, son, let me take you to the water. Man, when he looked in the water, the reflection, he looks at the prophet, he said, that's my reflection. That's just me. He said, son, look within. Look deeper. And man, when he looked in the water that time, all of a sudden he saw his father. You were made in the image and likeness of God. In the moment he saw his daddy's reflection in the water, he reared back and started to roar. And all of a sudden the young meow that he had when he left had turned into a roar. And he started singing a song, He lives in me, He lives in you. I'm telling you the power of the gospel is that Jesus is not living on a planet three miles south of Mars somewhere. He took up His abode inside of you. He lives in you. And if you can come to the water of the Word and get a revelation of who's living inside of you, you'll head back to Pride Rock and take your rightful place back. And when He came back from that water, that lion slapped Him up, or that prophet slapped Him upside the head. And He said, What would you do that for? And so he went to swing and smack him upside the head a second time. And when he did, the young lion ducked. He said, see there, you can learn from your past. You don't have to repeat all that same pain. Come on, somebody. Somebody needs to slap us upside the head sometime and say, you don't have to keep doing the same thing. But how many know that when he went back to that place of pride rock and stepped up on that rock, it started to rain. I believe with everything that's in me that the moment we get a shift from this woman who's been bowed to the earth, who's been focusing, my sister's right now writing a book, 
And she's writing about all of the t things in the Old Testament that qualified you. A woman or anybody with a hunchback, anybody with a flat nose, anybody with a, uh, I believe it was a running sore. All the different things was disqualified from priesthood. And I used to preach that good, disqualify everybody. But in the New Testament, Jesus heals everybody that was disqualified under the Old Covenant. He finds a hunchback, a flat nose, a crippled hand, a leper. Come on, somebody. And he heals them. Because under the Old Covenant, you were rejected in the New Covenant. Come on. Hallelujah. He accepts you. He brings you up out of it. He simply brings us. Stand on your feet all over this building. I, hallelujah. My worldview is very optimistic. You can stop. I know, listen, I know I've seen the news today and I'm not, my head is not in the sand like an ostrich. But what I start thinking about is not problems. I start thinking about answers. We've got to be answer oriented. And I start looking into the heavens instead of looking at how bad it is in the earth. And I start looking. Hallelujah. The prophet Isaiah was preaching in chapter 5 of Isaiah. He preaching, whoa, whoa, whoa. Six woes he preached. I mean, he was a prophet in a bad mood. Whoa. I can see him hacking. Whoa. And he preaches five, six woes. I mean, he was woeing everything that moves. And all of a sudden, God lifted him up into the heavens and and all of a sudden when the Lord lifted him up into the heavens he said there was cherubims that their wings stretched out and they looked one to another and cried holy 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 is the Lord of hosts the whole earth is filled with his glory now remember he just got done preaching whoa whoa he still got woe on his lips but that's not what heaven was saying that's what earth was saying. See, we don't need to hear from earth. We need to hear somebody talk to us from heaven. What's heaven saying? Heaven's saying, holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And Isaiah still got woe on his lips, but I love this. One of the seraphims flew and took a coal from off the altar. Now, what that coal came from, the altar was lit by a laser beam of light shot out of the most holy place and, and ignited the sin offering on the brazen altar when it was originally lit so that all of the fire came from a, if you will, a revelation of the finished work of Jesus Christ. So what are you saying, Brother Hobbs? I'm trying to tell you God wants to take a coal from off of an altar and touch the lips, come on, of those who will receive it and say, touch my lips so that I'm not preaching unclean things. I'm not preaching whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not preaching doom, despair, and agony. I'm not preaching it's over, it's done. We're I'm preaching he's holy. He's a big God. He's a mighty God. In book of Revelation chapter 4, they looked at one another and started crying. He's holy, holy, holy. And when the four living creatures started to cry holy, then it said the 24 elders started to kick in because it gets contagious. When you start talking from heaven, it started. they started crying holy. The four and 20 elders started crying, he's holy, he's holy. And the beast said, he's holy. And he said, the first thing I know, every creature in heaven and in earth and under the earth, they started to join in and say, thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. And they all started crying. He's holy. Hallelujah. 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 
Come on, lift your hands all over this room. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.